Thank you so much for sharing that. That is a, a fantastic story of what God is doing. And um, uh, I didn't have any jokes today, but, uh, God, but God's given me two. Firstly, firstly, I feel I should say louder that now we know how to tell which Nathan's which, because we have a young Nathan. So anyway, that's one. And uh, the other thing is the risk I took in praying for disturb, against disturbed sleep when I'm just about to speak to you. I realised that that was also... <laughs> <it's> not... <laughs> oh, dear. It's an emotional roller coaster. Right. Excellent. Fantastic. So this is a, our opportunity for a deep dive into the topic of forgiveness. And... Uh, well, my goodness, you know, when you hear Murray's testimony, you kind of realise that this is a, a really powerful thing that we have, that God has given. Um, and, uh, and I suppose all I want today is to, to go through a little bit more about it, look at, look at a couple more stories, share a bit from my heart. But let's just see what God's going to do, because I believe that this is a spirit that God wants to release to us. When God speaks to us about money, we find ourselves challenged in money, and we find ourselves, our generosity challenged. When God speaks to us about forgiveness, I believe he's going to challenge us about forgiveness and, uh, and bring opportunities to us to step into a new level. Um, the thing is, um, the thing about forgiveness, it's interesting, you only have to look a little little way on the internet to find that the world's kind of catching on to this idea that people that forgive have different life chances to people that don't. Um, There's been a lot of research in psychology about the actual practical ability your body has to mend itself if you forgive the person or thing or incident that's happened, that's caused your injuries, versus you do not forgive. Now, they don't have God's power, necessarily, to help forgiveness to happen. But they understand this idea of letting go of things that have happened in the past. And they understand this thing of not digging them up and, and, uh, and releasing the, uh, the person who's responsible and, you know, uh, I've got a couple of examples here. So there was a thing in, a, in the States called the Campaign for Forgiveness Research, which was scientific medical research, um, which was funded by um, uh, an, uh, a very wealthy man who wanted to invest in this. He was a, he was a Christian. Uh, but uh, in 1998, there were 58 empirical studies on forgiveness. That is, studies which have looked at the effects that forgiveness have on medical uh, healing. But in 2005, there have been 950. So it's like a, a really big area. Uh, and, um, and I just want us to be aware that this thing that God's given us, the world's catching on to, um, but I'm going to show you today the thing that we have that they don't. I'm going to talk to you a bit about that. So... Um, we can, find that, we can find that actually you're less prone to, for, to depression if you're a forgiving person than if you're not a forgiving person. That doesn't mean you can't be depressed and forgive people, 
but it just means it's one of those contributing factors. Medicine's very fluffy like that. It's not physics, you know. But, but, uh, but, but you know, it's not. It's not. <laughs> but hey, the Bible tells us if we want to live in the forgiveness of God, we need to forgive others. That doesn't mean our forgiveness is achieved by the, us forgiving others, but it means if we want to live in the reality of forgiveness, Jesus says, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will, forgive, so will not forgive your sins. And then there's a song that goes with that, but that's actually a Bible verse. That's actually a Bible verse, and it's, it's a really tricky one, because actually, it, it's a struggle, because we know that God's forgiveness of us does not depend on what we do. But our experience of that truth can. All right? So it's not that by forgiving people, God forgives me. Actually, God's always forgiven me of things that I know I've got wrong, of things that I don't know I've got wrong, because Jesus has paid the price. And I'm covered with his blood, and I'm made perfect in his sight. When he looks at me, he sees the perfection of Jesus. And there isn't anything on me that the enemy can raise. There's nothing on me that the enemy can hold against me. What a fantastic place we have. But, you know, if I want to live in the reality of that and know that I'm forgiven, even maybe to forgive myself, then that means I need to forgive others. Anyway, uh, here we go. So this is what Richard talked about with us last week. I'm just using this slide the same, um, just to remind us. So one thing about forgiveness is God expects us to forgive others uh, with the same standard that he has forgiven us. So um, he he forgives us over and over, and so must we. When, When you forgive... It isn't saying the other person is, is right, and it's not justifying or condoning what the other person did. Forgiveness is acknowledging that you've decided to forego anger and resentment, and that any future relationship with that person is going to be on your terms, on the terms that God gives you. Um, sometimes, re-engagement in relationship is, is not possible. When it's a big deal and I'm talking about big things that maybe are illegal, or maybe it's, a, it's an abusive relationship or something like that, it's still important for me to forgive my abuser. But I may never be able to be reconciled with that person because God won't want me to put myself in the place of punishment, in the place of punishment's the wrong word, but in the place of harm is the word I'm, I'm looking for. Does, does that make sense? We'll, we'll come back a bit more to that. So forgiveness is releasing someone else from my personal judgment. Forgiveness is is something which God tells us that we have to do, and we need to draw on God's strength to help us uh, to let go of hurts that the others have caused us. It is an act of will. It is an act of choice. And it's not based on emotion. And here's a little bit of a thing I've added. I believe you can tell when you've forgiven someone when you can pray for God to bless them. Pray for God for them in their situation. My forgiveness of them does not depend on their repentance. 
My forgiveness holds me to the consequences of the... Sorry, my unforgiveness puts me in a place where I am a prisoner of their actions on me. I'm living with the consequence of their actions in my life. I don't want that. God wants me to be free from the consequence. So as much as possible, I want to be able to forgive the person so that I can break out of that. So it's, it's about compassion. Um, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiveness, it's an act of compassionately releasing the desire to punish someone or yourself for an offence. It's a state of grace that nothing can force. Okay, let's have a, let's have a look. So we looked also at the unmerciful servant. And just in case, uh, in case you weren't uh, here, so we, we start off with the unmerciful servant. We had a guy who owed a lot of money to, his, to the king. And uh, he, he owed so much money, there was no way he could pay it back. And the ruler said, it's okay, I know you owe me all that money, I'm going to let you off. And then the guy goes outside, finds a guy who owes him a bit of money, about a tenth, I think, um, of the amount, and he wants it back. And so he, he shakes him and says, pay me, and uh, has the, the man who can't pay back thrown into prison. And... Uh, then some people see what goes on, and they go back to the ruler, and they say, look, this is what's happened. And what happens is that then the ruler challenges the man and says, is that really what happened? Did you really do that? Well, then, you know, I'm going to have you thrown into prison instead. Now, the, the, the picture of the story here, um, I mean, just to give you an idea, the, the amounts of money involved... Um, the first debt was 3,000 denarii, uh, and a denarii is what you got paid in a day. So 3,000, I suppose, is about nine years' work, isn't it? So imagine you take your salary from the last nine years or something, or your benefits or your pension or whatever it is that you have to live on, and that's how much money you've got to pay back. And the ruler has let you go on that. The other amount of money was 100 denarii, was what you owed in 100 days. Still a pretty big amount of money, actually, to be honest. If I'd loaned someone a third of a year, three months' pay, I reckon I'd probably want it back, and I kind of understand. But somehow, between receiving the grace of forgiveness from the ruler to going outside, the forgiven one has forgotten the extent of God's forgiveness, of the ruler's forgiveness. And Jesus says... That's what we're like when we don't forgive others. Because we've been forgiven this huge debt and we go out and we bear grudges about smaller things. And Jesus warns us, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. I really don't like this verse. I'd like this verse to not be there. Okay? Because there are times when it's really hard to forgive someone else. But actually, Jesus has given us the answer here to how it's possible to do this impossible thing. And I'm going to talk to you about why it's possible. I've underlined the key thing. We can only forgive 
these other people when it comes from our heart. It is a decision of the will, but it has to flow from the heart if it's to please God. And I want us to think about why this servant failed to forgive, and is there anything I can do to forgive in spite of myself? So I've, I've been mulling over this week what it means to forgive from the heart. And there have been a few questions after last week. And, um, and of course the heart is, biblically, is, is the centre of, of me. It's the centre of the seat of all my emotions, my feelings, but it's, it's me, it's my very self. We're not talking about the biological organ that's sitting in here that moves the blood around my body. And, and that's the place that God speaks to us. The heart primarily is the place that God meets with us. And it's where the Holy Spirit lives. So it's the seat of the Holy Spirit, the throne room, if you like, of the Holy Spirit. The temple of the Holy Spirit is my, is my heart, is, is where I am. And um, so I, I did a little diagram. Okay? Done a little diagram. There's the thing in the middle is a heart. Right? And then as you go out, there are these different areas that I want us to think about. So first of all, I believe the first thing about forgiveness from the heart is that we need to forgive, we need to receive God's forgiveness of us. And by receive, I don't just mean know it. I mean to think about it, to dwell on it, and to really receive that forgiveness that God has for us. And that will enable us to forgive ourselves. You know, sometimes we, we receive forgiveness, and forgiveness, and we know we're forgiven, but then when we actually look back over what's happened in our lives, we can do that thing that Murray talked about, about digging things up. Replaying, I think your phrase was, replaying. Why did I do that? I remember... Uh, I remember we, were, we bought my mother a, a present the other year to take her out to the ballet in London. And um, we, uh, we don't go to the ballet very much, but I thought it would be fun. It was the Nutcracker and it was Christmas. And um, we decided to walk to the station and go up by train. So we're... The station's in High Barnet. High Barnet's on a hill, and we're walking down the hill. Only I'm in a bit of a rush, because I'm always in a bit of a rush, and I'm walking my mum, who was then about 84. A bit quick, maybe. Maybe? We're walking a bit quick. We're all bustling away. Now, my mother suddenly trips and falls. And uh, she breaks her arm. But I didn't know, we didn't know at the time that's what happened. Um... So then, like, uh, I'm like, oh, dear, this is not good. As you can imagine, I'm thinking this is not good. We're all family together, so we're all going off to the ballet. Owen's loving it, you know. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, that's what we plan to do. And um, oh, various things happened. My mum took ages to recover, unfortunately, because when you're older and bones break, it does take a long time for these bones to knit back together. Uh, she's got a little bit of an ache with it now. But I realised what I was doing around that time is I constantly kept going back to that moment when she tripped 
And she was sort of on my arm, but sort of not on my arm. And somehow I didn't hold on to her. That's what I was feeling. And I was blaming myself for what had happened. Now, here's the thing. I can replay that as many times as I like, but God's forgiven me if there was anything that was wrong. I need to forgive myself. My mum's forgiven me if there was anything wrong. God's forgiven me. I need to forgive myself. But what we can do is we can just constantly replay that thing. You know that moment when that thing happened? No. I need to live in that place of knowing God's forgiveness. If I'm going to be able to forgive others... I need to know that I'm forgiven myself. And then I think that God kind of gives us practice in the church. I believe that in the, in the church, God helps us to practice forgiveness. He helps us to practice it in both sense of the words. Practice so we get better and practice it because we need to do it. Um, in Love, Acceptance and Forgiveness... Um, which is a book that we've used a lot over the years as a source for how we are. There's this paragraph. I'm just going to read to you. This is a statement about how we should be with one another. So without forgiveness, it's impossible to maintain unity. So this is to you, Nathan. Practically, unless I can be assured of your forgiveness, I cannot really open myself to you. I know that sooner or later I'll disappoint you and fail Not by design and desire, but I'm imperfect and I'm still under construction. I must know that you won't condemn me when my weaknesses and flaws and sins begin to show. I need assurance of your forgiveness, a forgiveness with no bitter aftertaste. Now that's the kind of forgiveness that we need to operate in as a church. We believe in relationship. That's what relationship is all about. Not every relationship that you have in the wider world can be the same because we have the enabling grace of Jesus to help us to maintain the unity of the body. That is why Jesus died. That's why when I receive the gift of his broken body, I can know oneness with you. And that isn't the same as when I'm dealing with a work colleague. It just isn't the same. However, as much as it depends on me, I need to know that I will forgive any offence that's given to me. So I believe that's the the last ring, if you like. We need to receive grace to forgive anyone who offends or hurts us. And by anyone, I mean anyone. Because that unforgiveness, if it's there, hurts our heart. It tarnishes our heart. It damages us. And it prevents us from living in the fullness of the life that God has for us. You see, Jesus said, I've heard it said, sorry, you've heard it said, love your your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. That's what I meant when I said you can tell when you've forgiven someone, when you'll pray for them. Okay? And, um, and I believe that forgiveness deals with big things and little things, okay? Um, I realised that in my place of work, that my attitude towards a certain colleague, who will remain nameless because there are ears in the room, no, 
But I realized I was keeping quite a good record of wrongs against this particular chap. I've just said he was a chap, but that kind of... And I, I would have said that I was forgiving them, but I realized I kept replaying the things. It's like, if someone said, well, what is it? What's the problem? I'd say, well, it's... And then probably about 10 minutes later, I'd probably stop talking about it. You see, forgiveness deals with really big things. Really big things. Really big things. Breaking a family in half. But it deals also, we need to deal with those little things. When the Bible says that little foxes spoil the vine, you know, that's, that's the idea that these little things, the daily grind of when we're working together, they can also be grit that damages your relationships with others. So I think that forgiveness is about big things and little things. I realized that I needed to change, and I realized that the record of wrong had to go. What actually gave it away, what actually, what actually shows it, is when you have that kind of relationship with someone, and then there's this thing that happens that's the last straw. You know the expression, the last straw? And then you react out of all proportion with the actual offence that's taken place at that point, because actually you've been on the edge of losing it for some time. I realise I'm only talking to myself in the room. Right? Okay. So, but those things, how do we do it? We take captive our thoughts. Yeah? We, we, need, to, we need to do that. Okay. The other thing that came up from the questions during the week, it seemed to me that we needed to just remind ourselves that forgiveness is always part of a process. Forgiveness on its own is part of a bigger thing. Now, forgiveness in my place of work, actually, may just be, for me, internally, forgiveness, to forgive the person who's offended me, and actually to help them to change by management or whatever, but actually the most important thing is I forgive, and they're not expecting, they're not expected to change, maybe. As long as they're being professional, as long as they're doing their job, they may not be expected to change, okay? I can present them with a better way, but they have no reason particularly to listen to me. And in that, in that sense, that's a different scenario. But when we're dealing with things with one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are actually part of this wonderful thing called the church that God is shaping us all for his purposes in, then we're dealing with sin. We need to deal with one another as forgiveness is part of dealing with any wrong. Um, And those of you that have done Doulos, I'm just going to talk about the Reformation roundabout. I hope that's okay. Um, But uh, I'm just looking at Richard. Anyway, um, I'm going to look about this thing I call the Reformation roundabout, which was shared with us a few years ago, um, probably 15 years ago. uh, And I kind of keep mulling it over. So there's this thing called um, the Reformation roundabout I like to think about. Now, first of all, Within the church, brothers and sisters, we have this helpful aid. It's called confrontation or admonishment, or giving someone a kick up the bum. Sometimes, sometimes in order to realise that we've got something wrong, we need our brothers or sisters to point it out. Um, sometimes we realise by ourselves. Okay? I've added this in because I think it's relevant for today. That might be someone who's forgiven me talking to me about a situation 
where I have caused an offence that they've forgiven me for. Okay? And it may be that I've got something wrong. It may not be. I'm going to talk about how we respond in those two situations. I thought Hans's comment last week, uh, I think it was Hans said this, it's very important when we're confronting someone about something, we've actually already forgiven them. You talk about seeing the the plank in your own eye before you deal with the speck in in my brother's eye. And I'd never really seen it like that before. And I think that's, that's a really important point, that actually our forgiveness is not dependent on how they are with us, right? Anyway, so we confront someone because in our hearts we want them to be reformed and made more to be like Christ. Not we want to get our own back or say what we think. Yeah? This is not, that's not what it's about. It's about helping one another to be transformed into Christ. So that may lead to me being convicted of having got something wrong. If someone confronts me, I may realise I've got something wrong. Assuming that they were right to bring the admonishment or encouragement or the kick up the bum, then I will be convicted. Now, I could stay in a place of feeling guilty, um, but that doesn't go anywhere. We say that guilt without repentance is a dead end, right? However, God, God expects me to repent. That means then, and that, as part of that process is saying the same thing about the thing I've got wrong as he does. That's what confession is. It means speaking it with him. So it's not necessarily that I need to go to a man in a box. In fact, it isn't that I need to go to a man in a box to, to say my confession. It's about speaking to God and saying, seeing the thing I've done without a, but they made me, but this, but that, without a justification, realizing that I've got it wrong then I, can, I will know God's forgiveness. Now listen, God's always forgiven me. Do you remember I said at the start, I am made right with him. I am, when he looks at me, I'm perfect. But I really am perfect. No, 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 really, Christina, I really am. <laughs> Not because I am perfect, but because he's made me perfect, yeah? And, and so... And so what that means is when I confess, say the same thing about my sin as he does, then I can step into the reality of his forgiveness. And that means that I can receive the power to change. And if I can receive the power to change, I'm going to be changed from this degree of glory to the next degree of glory, and I'm going to become more like Jesus. And that's what I want. So in our admonishment of one another, in our encouragement of one another, in our forgiveness of one another, the ultimate aim of any challenge is not to punish, but to make someone more like Christ, more like the person that God's designed that person to be. Yeah? But this is a roundabout because, do you know what? I'm perfect and I'm holy, but I'm being made holy. So, so it's a roundabout because I know that I'll mess up again. And I know that when I mess up again, I need to go through the same process. So I just thought it was helpful to look at it like this, because sometimes, well, when we talk about forgiveness, we've got to remember, for myself, it, it, if, if, so, if someone has forgiven me for something and I know I've got something wrong, there is a, there's a response needed in me. 
I've got something wrong. Not only do I need to ask for forgiveness, I need to repent of the thing that I've got wrong. Right? Now, the object of of this is always the restoration of the believer. From time to time, very rarely, um, you know, we've had to take steps with people amongst us where, where there has been something that's been very wrong and people have had to be disciplined. But the important thing to remember is that any, the point of any discipline is reformation and restoration, bringing the person back to where God wants them to be. If we don't discipline, if no one disciplines me, I'm an unruly child and I'll never change. But God's designed the church to have order. And so God's plan is to, to use that to, to bring us back to how he wants us to be. So these are a couple of practical things. So if someone's got a dispute with me, um, if someone claims they've offended me, uh, sorry, someone claims that they've been offended by something I've done, um, then if you can see and you agree, you know, that was wrong, you need to confess that you were wrong and ask for forgiveness. Now, their forgiveness will be ready. Their responsibility is to be ready with the forgiveness, actually. Okay? If you disagree with the view, then I believe that you need to ask God to speak to you before you get into defence mode. The part of that will be about reflecting with someone who cares for you, to say, actually... This is what that person said. It doesn't mean you need to be rude to the person who's challenged you. Yeah, It's about saying, I, I, I don't see it like that. I'm going to go away and, and pray about it and see, see what I need to do. And um, Now, if someone's offended me, I think uh, this, is the, this is a do-loss slide, and I, I just, I've just been thinking about this, so I just want to... This is something we've used this year when I was overseas. So I believe this is right. Um, if someone's offended me, um, be willing to show where, they've offended, where, where they have offended you so you can ask, they can ask you for forgiveness. But, hey, remember the, the point we made at the start. I need to have forgiven them before I start this process. If I'm trying to do this from a position of being offended, there's no point. And also, I'm talking here about a relationship that can be restored. Right? So remember, in my circles, I believe it may, be a, uh, it may be a relationship you have with someone out here in your wider family. You know, and for Marie, that's absolutely in her testimony. But sometimes there will be people out there that have been abusive to you or whatever. And this may not be possible. Okay, wise or whatever. And so part of this is where it's important we talk with people who care for us. So part of this is about helping them to weigh what your, what your action should be, you know. Because sometimes there isn't really an offence, but we feel that there has been. No one has to make me take offence. Um... So, the last, last paragraph. Asking of, for a given forgiveness is independent of the other person's actions or reactions. Their response to you is irrelevant, although there can only be true restoration of the relationship when forgiveness is both given and received. What's essential is maintaining the right heart attitude. 
I am a victim of their actions against me for all the time I haven't forgiven. Right? That does not mean I have to have the relationship restored, necessarily. But I, in the body, my goodness, it does. Because in the body, we should love our brothers and sisters, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you fail to be reconciled, there's a procedure that you can work through with people that care for you about seeing yourself reconciled with the person. So, okay. Right, what if, um, but what if someone really hurts you? Okay, well, I, I believe we still have a choice. Um, and God gives grace as needed. My grace is sufficient for you, um, says God. So, so whatever we face, I believe that God can help us. That is very hard to understand in some cases. And some of us will have heard stories and think, how did that person manage to forgive? But I don't need to know how they did it. I just need to, I just need to ask God to help me forgive those that, that offend me. Sometimes people within the church cause pain to one another. Okay? Um, and we talk about a friend's wounds being faithful. But that hurt is part of that cycle. Remember, we talked about the admonishment, the kick up the bum. Sometimes that kind of thing needs to go on. And we need to not take offense at that, but weigh it, hear what God's saying, and respond to what God's saying. And know that that person's heart towards me was ultimately to see me restored and corrected. And, um, yeah, so if we really love one another, we need to speak the truth, we need to discipline, and we need to correct. Well, I'd much be much happier if love didn't have to include those things, perhaps. Maybe I wouldn't. But, um, but you know, that's, that's all part of the thing. Now, we've got a little, uh, what's your question to listen to? So, if I go on to the next slide... Oh, you've, oh, wait, 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 there you go, can you click on my, hello and welcome to What's Your Question, a phone-in for people who have questions about life, our next caller is Jakub Madigan, good morning Jakub, what's your question, hi, I'm due to go in for heart surgery later this week, I see, goodness, well the best of luck, I'm actually terrified. Okay, Yaku, that's perfectly understandable. Heart surgery is a very safe procedure these days. We have the best surgeons... No, 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 you misunderstand. I'm not frightened of the surgery. I'm scared about what they're going to find when they open me up in there. So I sneaked into the operating theatre and took away all their instruments so they can't perform the operation. I also took some painkillers so no one can hurt me during the operation. You sneaked into the operating theatre? Yeah, that's right. Thing is... I was badly bullied at school. I never forgave those children, those evil children. And then when I went into business, everyone took advantage of me. My managers made fun of me. So I decided the best thing would be to withdraw from the rest of the world. I married a lovely woman, but she can't get on with me. I I can't trust anyone anymore. So what do you worry the doctors will find when your heart surgery takes place? I'm worried that my heart will be too hard to operate on. I'm worried that the doctors will find that it's full of rubbish. Yaku, do you need to forgive all those people? 
can't. I just can't let go. They're, they're the ones who hated me first. Why should I forgive them? They're the ones who are in the wrong. I can't. And uh, that's very good, isn't it? It's very, well, very powerful. You know, there are sometimes events which are so terrible, it's very hard to see how to forgive. And whether they're weighed as being terrible by other people or not, they're terrible to us. What that kid said to me in that playground, it, it really mattered. Uh, talking to, not exposing anyone, talking to one of the guys in Sierra Leone this year. He, you know how we always talk about African men being able to dance? Yeah? Okay? He never dances because his father laughed at him when he was dancing when he was a kid. And he shared that. And we saw God do something with him. But he needed to forgive his father to know that release. It was what, you might think it was a little thing. As a cruel and heartless father, I might have thought it was a little thing. I'm not a cruel and heartless father. But, you know, you might not realise. Sometimes you just don't realise the impact that what you do has. And um, so there's no scale that makes it easy to tell how big this offence is. The thing is, it's an offence. And if it roots in my heart, it can damage my relationship with God. So when, when the things are this big, um, it's, it's, it's like really hard to see a way through, but we need to know God's grace. See, we always need to forgive others, whether they're repentant or not. Because our lack of forgiveness damages us, not them. Romans twelve seventeen says, Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written... It's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome by e- do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The thing is, this is in balance with the fact that if I'm in risk of harm in a relationship, God does not require me to put myself repeatedly in the line of fire. And Jesus talked about places where his disciples weren't received and they had to knock this dust off their feet. He talked about the importance of not casting pearls before swine. So there is a time in a relationship when actually you, you... And God can help you hear that when you need to just walk away because it is not going to be fixed we're part of a fallen world but within the church that can never be so okay and I I just want 
that to be clear. God wants all people to change, but we aren't called to change everyone ourselves. Okay, so this, this poor guy who's got his unforgiveness in his heart, um, I thought there's two things that this unforgiveness can do. It, it can be stuff that slows us down, and it can also stop us from seeing things clearly. And And these are some of the things I think might be symptomatic of having that hardened heart, because God wants us to have a soft heart. And I'm really encouraged uh, by uh, the fact that that God seems to have helped me to have a soft heart. (laughs) I have a soft heart in the fact that I'm moved often easily. I have a soft heart in that I'm not. Uh, I, I generally uh, uh, I'm, I'm e- find it easy to forgive. Generally, uh, but that's something that God has done. It's not my natural state, right? So these are some things which I find in my heart at other times. Um, things like dwelling onto my hurts, holding onto my rights doing jobs for him rather than serving from the heart. Forgetting what he said he will do and forgetting what he's done. Being ungrateful or grumbling. Failing to listen or respond to the Spirit's nudges. Lacking self-control. Caught up in our own needs and problems. I don't know where I got the ideas for this list. Uh, Not seeing what God's doing. These are things that if our heart's hard, we will see. Okay? And to have a soft heart, we need God's help. Now, Jesus brought an upside down kingdom. So when he came and he walked amongst us, he used a prostitute to teach a Pharisee about forgiveness. And we're just going to have a look at this story. If you want to have a look in your Bible, it's Luke 7.36 is where we're looking. And when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who'd lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, Wiping her, wiping his, uh, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And when she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and then she poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who'd invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who it is who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who'd had the bigger debt. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, but you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears 
and she wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has been shown. But for whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. It really struck me, as I was thinking about forgiveness, how absolutely vital it is that we understand what God has forgiven us of. Where the extent, the wonder, the amazingness of his forgiveness. And if I'm struggling to love other people, and I'm becoming hard in the heart, then I need to ask him, Lord, show me more of that forgiveness. The story is a bit confusing in places, because again, it seems to be saying that she's been forgiven because she loves a lot. That's actually what Jesus says. But I would put that another way. I'd refer say, like I said before, she's living in the fullness of her forgiveness because she's loving. We can see that she's forgiven because she's loving. It's absolutely key that the revelation of our forgiveness is linked with our ability to love and she loved him so much that she did something that was really quite well it required determination Um, it wasn't her house now Simon the Pharisee appears to have been just testing Jesus out and finding out if he was really a man of God or not he doesn't seem to be particularly open to him his heart is hard but her heart is soft So when Jesus comes, she's the one who is at his feet, while Simon is questioning his motives. A guest in the house would have had their feet washed, but Jesus' feet were not washed by anyone. He was not at home with Simon the Pharisee, but the woman, despite that, wanted to wash his feet. And the, little, the lack of water was not going to get in the way of her doing what she felt she wanted to do, of worshipping him. The tragedy for the Pharisee is that he has not seen what God's actually doing because he hasn't lived in the reality of that forgiveness. The, Phar- the word Pharisee, I didn't know this, did you know that, do you know what the word Pharisee means? The word Pharisee means one who is separated. One who is separate. He's so separate, he can't see what God is doing. The Pharisee spirit still lives in us. Okay? But by the grace of God, he, he delivers us from it. But the religious spirit is the one that says, come out and be separate, live a holy life, be, that's what the Bible says, but, but come out and to just keep yourself in this holy corner. Don't get involved with these dirty people. Yeah? But actually, God wants us 
right there. This story, versions of this story, unique, well, not uniquely, but unusually, is in all four Gospels. Not all the Gospels, sorry, not all the stories are in all the Gospels. There is a version of this story in all four Gospels. I think this sort of thing happened more than once, though, because the characters involved are different in different stories. I chose the one from Luke because it particularly talks about this. She who's been forgiven much loves much. Now, actually, the verse is not there, but the implication is there from his story. It is impossible to forgive others when we haven't lived and continue to live in the experience of the forgiveness and love of God. Do we understand, do we get this thing that God's done? Or are we like the unmerciful servant who had all his debts cancelled only to forget about it once he was out of jail? See, sometimes we can persuade people into the kingdom of God. But the truth of the matter is that from our birth, we were messed up. And part of accepting the lordship of Christ is knowing that I was messed up from birth. And that I needed his grace to put me right. And once he's put me right, I'm not going to let the enemy or anyone else dig up things from the past. This is what God's forgiveness is like. In 1 John, we read that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us from all unrighteousness. Not only will he forgive, he'll also forget. Really? Really? Well, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. We don't mean that God has some kind of am- Amnesia, is it amnesia when you forget your memory? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, that wasn't an intentional joke, but I guess it is. Um, He chooses not to replay those sins. I thought that was a really, I keep saying it, I think that's a really good illustration. He chooses not to keep reminding us of them. Um, So that means that God will never raise those issues with you again. He's choosing not to raise those things with you, then you can choose not to dwell in them anymore. You never have to confess them again. He says, you have placed all my sin into the sea of forgetfulness. It says in Micah 7, 19. And um, Corrie ten Boom, talking about this, says that God then puts up a big sign saying, no fishing. Corrie ten Boom says, I said in a book, I can do something that God cannot do. I can remember my sins. God wants us to not live in a, in a, in a re- replay, to not live in that place of replay. Know that you're forgiven. Forgiving, forgiving does not mean letting someone off the, ourselves, does not mean living, letting myself off the hook. It does not justify what we have done. It's not a sign of weakness. Forgiveness is a choice that takes courage and strength and it gives us the opportunity to become an overcomer rather than a victim of our own uh, disdain, our scorn. If I don't forgive myself of my own sin, it's really a kind of pride. It's really like saying, well, other people can sin, but of course I shouldn't have done. I really shouldn't have done. 
That's really what I'm saying. But God has forgiven me, okay? And um, as so forgiving yourself, it's not, it's not simply about forgetting. It's about not bringing up the offense to yourself in negative ways. It's, okay, so then I believe when we do that, like the woman in the story, we will, I think you need to move the mouse slightly, live in a place of softness of heart. Okay? Which means that this is where we want to be. This is the universe that God has made for us. To be a, a universe where we can be open to him and connected. A place where we're surrendered. A place where we're compassionate. A place where I'm not just hearing things, but I'm engaged in an emotional level. That I'm vulnerable. Willing to take risks. Willing to serve. These things are typified in the actions of the woman. Yeah? Yeah? And so, what next? Well, I believe that God just wants to bring us back to that place of knowing his forgiveness of us and creating in us that new heart. Okay. Okay. So, I've finished, basically. I was just, just the final slide. So, um, I believe that this is what God has for us next. This is the response. Get a new heart and a new spirit through repentance. If we've got something wrong, then I believe that, that God, and not forgiving yourself, not forgiving others, I'm afraid, is something you've got wrong. God needs you to repent of that so that you can live in the reality of the forgiveness. But hey, this is God's promise to me. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you.